I have the privilege of introducing this series on prayer. And I'm excited because it is probably one of the sweet spots for me. I enjoy talking about prayer, but more than that, I enjoy praying. I'm not a prayer warrior. But I've come to understand how powerful and how important prayer is for us. I was talking to Jen as I was coming in, Jen Chang, and we were talking about prayer and just uh, in preparation for communion for the volunteers. I said to Jen, I said, I wish I knew 25 years ago what I know now. Because I think life would have been a whole lot easier. There's a, a, an old hymn that many of you are probably familiar with. It's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. No, I'm not going to sing that. Pastor Ali does not sing, except in the shower. But I thought it was appropriate for this morning to just introduce this this series with this old hymn. It was written by a guy named Joseph Scriven, I think, back in the 1860s. And he had gone through a series of issues and problems in his life. A girl that he had planned to marry at the age of 25, just before they were waiting to get married, she died the day before. Then having gone through the grieving process, three years later he met someone else after he had moved out of the area. And just before he was ready to marry that person, two weeks before the ceremony would take place, she was stricken with an illness and subsequently died. Disillusioned and frustrated, depressed, He gave up on marriage. He said, yeah. And he decided to go off and serve the church. And while he was serving the church, he got word some years later that his mother was ill. And death was imminent. And he could not go and visit with her. And so he wrote, what a friend we have in Jesus, in a letter to her. And later on it became... A classic hymn. This is just uh, one of the stanzas, and I'll read it to you. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. This morning I want to introduce this subject of what it means to pray for ourselves. And, and as we get into this series, we'll, uh, this week we'll talk about praying for ourselves. And the second week we'll talk about praying for others. And the third week praying for the church. And the fourth week praying for the world. Let's talk is an appropriate title for the series because this is an opportunity we'll have to unpack what it really means to connect with God. 
We said this is a, a month-long journey into prayer, but I would hope and pray that this would be a lifelong journey for all of us. That some kind of way in this process, as we go through this series and doing, doing our prayer journals, that something would click inside of us and cause us to decide that this is the peace. I am convinced that without prayer, please hear me, I am convinced that without a seriousness of prayer in the Christian's life, you will not survive. You cannot lead a family, husbands, without prayer. You cannot lead a family, wives, without prayer. You cannot survive this world without prayer. God never intended for it to be that way. Why? Because he wants that communion, that connection with us. And without that, you are on your own. It's the whole picture of the, the, vine, the, the vine being connected you just can't, it just doesn't work. Apart from Jesus, you cannot do anything. The point I'm going to be making through this message this morning is very simple. And I hope that you get this piece if you don't get anything else. The main point for today's message is simply those who genuinely know God can enjoy peace through life circumstances, because they regularly communicate with God. Those who genuinely know God can enjoy peace through life circumstances because they regularly communicate with God. You cannot make it apart from God. And it amazes me how we try. We try to do it this life without God. The problem is that we are given to life's anxieties and distresses, but we are not driven to go to God in prayer. We're given over to all the stuff in life and, and we're caught up in the stuff in life with busyness and, and everything else that's going on. We're trying to do life, but we're not driven to go to God in prayer. And this morning, as we take a look at our text, shortly, I want to I unpack that a little bit with you. What is prayer? What is prayer? What is prayer? Pray with me for a minute. Heavenly Father, now as we attempt to do your bidding, I pray, God, that we would get it. I pray that your spirit would lead at some kind of way at the end of this process, this day, in the next four weeks, we will become serious people of God who pray. It is in the precious and exalted name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What is prayer? Prayer is a relational conversation with God. It is simply talking to God. John Calvin, the reformer, commented and said, 
a communication between God and us whereby we expound to him our desires, our joys, our sighs, in a word, all thoughts of our hearts. Prayer is a way of showing our hearts to God. It's a way of connecting with to God, who is the creator of the universe, our God. It's a way of connecting with that God. So why don't we pray? There, there, there are different reasons that people don't pray, and I, I, I have four here, but actually there are five. Some of us have never learned how to pray. Some kind of way in the process of becoming a Christian, that whole, we just never, nobody ever showed us, nobody ever taught us how to pray. For some of us, we just have no faith in God or we've lost our faith in God. Something has happened and you've become disappointed with God. Maybe you prayed for a loved one. You prayed for a situation to change and it didn't change or that loved one didn't get better or that loved one died. And after that, you said, "Okay, I'm done. I don't have any faith and trust in God anymore because he didn't answer my prayer. Some of us are not convinced about God's sovereignty, and so it's more of a fatalistic kind of thinking. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, would be. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and there's nothing you can do about it, and that's just the way it is. So we're not convinced that we serve a God who is sovereign, who is over everything, who knows and sees everything in our lives. We're not convinced that he is sovereign. And so we go about life with, with kind of a fatalistic kind of whatever's going to happen is going to happen and it doesn't matter attitude. And then, of course, Satan hinders us. Satan hates it when the people of God pray. Why? Because that's God, God is connecting with his creation and, and that's the last thing Satan wants. He doesn't want to see that connection. Because he knows if we can't figure it out, he knows that that's power. Prayer has the power to break and tear down and destroy strongholds, Paul writes. And Satan is in the business of creating strongholds in our lives. And then there's a fifth one that I put in there. Doesn't really make a difference. We don't pray because we're not convinced that it really makes a difference. Somebody says that, well, uh, I'll, I'll pray for you, and I pray, pray that I get the job. And, and the person says, oh, three weeks later, oh, I got the job. Did you pray? Oh, I forgot to pray. Still got the job. Didn't make a difference. So we get into those issues where we just kind of like, we, we get in this rut. Why don't we pray? Why should we pray? Why should we pray? There are two reasons. God wants us to genuinely know him. He wants to know us. He wants to be in communion with us. He wants a relationship with with us. One of the number one reasons is because God commanded it. He wants that relationship with his creation. That's why we do it. Secondly, God's will is released. 
Or can God's will occur without us praying? Absolutely. But God in his sovereign wisdom has so put this thing called prayer together that, that, that there's something about God. God loves it when we, we make the connection. Interesting enough, his son, Jesus Christ, spent a great deal of time praying. Why? Because he wanted that connection with the father. I'm convinced that we're not needy enough. What do you mean, Pastor Ali? We're not needy enough. I thought that was a bad thing to be needy. It's a good thing to be needy because what it does in the Christian context is it says, I depend on God. Jesus Christ was needy. Oh, pastor, are you saying that Jesus? Yes, I am. Because everything he did, he's doing because he says, I'm checking in with the father. I don't do this on my own. I'm checking with the father first. Before I do, I'm checking with the father first. I have to, I don't do this first on my own. I talk to the father. The father is directing me. That's a needy person. He's acknowledging that he is in communion with the father and he's not working on his own. If Jesus did it, how dare that we think we could do life apart from Jesus with no prayer. We read the Bible to know about God, but in prayer we learn to know, uh, uh, we know God. We read the Bible to know about God, but in prayer we get to know God. You see, there are a lot of folk that know about God. They could tell you all the stuff. They can quote books in the Bible and tell you all the history and everything about the Bible, about the stories in the Bible and the, the theology and all of that. They get all that stuff right. But when you ask them, do you know God? They don't know God. They don't know God. What difference does it make? What difference does it make when you pray? A life of prayer is a spirit-directed life. And please get this. It is a spirit-directed life consistent in communion with God, displaying peace even in the midst of distress. In our text today, It's a very, very, very powerful text. And I say that because the Apostle Paul is writing this text from being incarcerated. He's in jail. And you would think that it would have a, a, a kind of a downer tone to it, kind of a, kind of a subdued tone to it. But you don't get that impression as you, you listen to the Apostle write. He starts off in chapter 4. He says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So he's exhorting his community to stand firm. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where do we start with this subject of prayer? If you're going to understand what it means to pray for ourselves and be able to move on to pray for others and then pray for your world, pray for your church, you have to, first of all, get this part right. And this is prayer 101. It means that you start first in this place where Jeremiah makes it very clear when he says in Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find you. Listen to this. When you seek me with all of your heart, I would submit to you, beloved, that there's something about coming to God wholehearted in this whole discussion about prayer. You cannot And I emphasize this, you cannot connect with God half-heartedly. It is a matter of the heart. Are you wholehearted? Are you wholeheartedly seeking God, seeking to know God? Are you wholeheartedly seeking to know God in the spirit? What are you talking about, Pastor? God is spirit, and those that worship God should worship him in spirit and in truth. Wholehearted seeking God is a heart kind of thing that says you're seeking God in spirit and in truth. I think it starts with looking at the heart, looking at yourself and asking yourself, What is my prayer life now? What is my prayer life now? Am I in this hurried and hassled kind of place where I scarcely have time to do anything, especially pray? That requires intentionality. That requires that I take time to do something. I don't have time. I've got this many things on my list of to-dos, and not, not one of those things is prayer. Why? Because I'm busy. Does it mean that you're a bad person? No. All of us are busy. We're busy people. If you live in the Silicon Valley, you are busy. Your time is consumed, but you cannot afford, I emphasize this, you cannot afford to not pray. And so my desire this morning is to encourage you to do something, do a reset Do a control or delete. Do a reset on your lifestyle and start now at the beginning of the year becoming a person of prayer. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Self-introspection. Do I really believe this, this Christianity stuff? Do I really believe Christ in me, the hope of glory? Have I really bought into the story in a very real and personal way? Do I believe that God really cares for me? Do I really believe that Christ really died for me? 
John writes in 17, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Those who genuinely know God can enjoy peace through life circumstances because they regularly communicate with God. Do you know God? If you know God, then you want to spend time with God. You can't, you can't, you can't convince me that you really care and love God, that we say we love God. If you don't spend time with God, you don't take time out of the busy schedule and say, I'm going to spend some time with God. You can't get there unless you do that. It took me a number of years to my discredit to figure this out. After struggling for years and years and years in ministry, over 20 years ago, I, I, I was trying to pull it off myself because I said, oh yeah, I got to do this. I cannot fail. I've got to be able to do the church. I got to be able to do the raising the kids, the wife, and then a full-time job. I've got to be able to do this myself. I can pull this off. And the reality is I was flaunting, floundering and failing miserably. And it nearly cost me my family in the process. And even now, years later, I'm still dealing with the scars of that poor decision. Why? What was the decision, Pastor? Failing to give God time in prayer. You cannot lead a church if you do not pray. You cannot be a leadership team person if you do not pray. If you cannot be a deacon or a servant or a group leader in a study group if you do not pray. Small group leaders have to be people of prayer. Leadership team people have to be people of prayer. Pastors have to be people of prayer. You have to be a person of prayer. If you're going to serve in any capacity as a leader, you have to be given to prayer first. That has to be the priority. If it's not, woe on you. Woe to you. It's a matter of the heart. Romans 8.27, Paul says, 8. Chapter 8, verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What is Paul saying? He's saying that there's something in this prayer equation that the Spirit of God in you, even when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, the Spirit of God in you reaches out to God and connects for you. But it presumes that you know God. I suspect that if we have an ailment, it's something of a spiritual myopathy. We, 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 our, our hearts are, are burdened and stressed and failing. And we need God to get in there and do his surgery on us. And I think the first step to getting that heart fixed is to come back to the center, come back to God and say, Abba, Father. Papa, Daddy, I need you. 
Paul writes in Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons or daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son, where? Into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so if you know him, his spirit is in you, and it's that spirit that speaks out to God. John Calvin, Calvin the came up with four rules of prayer. He said, it's all heartfelt stuff. He said, there's a heartfelt sense of reverence that's needed. It has to come from the heart if it's going to be real. He says, there's a heart sense of need and repentance, a sincere want. Uh, There's this kind of penitence, kind of a thing where we come to God kind of in in need and, and, and repenting. He said there's a sense, a heartfelt sense of humility and a trust in God. We yield confidence, our confidence in ourselves. We throw that away. We jettison any semblance of confidence or self-sufficiency when we come to God. We come to God. We come to God needy. And we come to God being just as little children. That's why the children are so blessed because God wants us to be little children. He wants us to be with that kind of spirit. God is not looking for some fancy prayers and all this kind of stuff. People get up, somebody said it today, Pat, he, he's not looking for a, a theologically put together prayers and all that. He just wants our hearts. Number four, a heartfelt sense of confident hope that our prayers will be answered. See, if you come to God, according to John Calvin, if you come to God, there's got to be this reverence thing, this this repentance, this kind of spirit of repentance and humility and this sense of confident hope that God, the creator of the universe, is is there and he's going to respond to us. The story is told of a young pastor who had first time in the ministry and he had gotten his own church and He was all happy because he had finally ready to go out there and save the world. And he was unsure of himself and fresh out of seminary and filled with the language of theological study. He had all this this theology together and he he knew all about the Moravians and and, 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 and Zinzendorf and all that. He had all that stuff together. He had never led a congregation before. And so at one point he came before the people, his new congregation, and he started praying before the church gathering. And he was leading them in a corporate prayer. And he raised his hands and he changes his voice and he says, We approach you, O sacred ground of all being who dwells beyond language in ineffable splendor, thou who art both paradoxically imminent and transcendent. And a little old lady sitting in the back of the congregation yelled out, Son, just tell him what you want. (laughs) God wants us to come just with the basic stuff, just with our hearts. We don't have to come all dressed up in a special way or anything like that. He just wants us to say, Abba, Father. He wants us to be genuine. Everything. Everything. Go to God with everything. In our text, it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, everything, 
What do you mean everything? There's not one thing that you and I cannot go to God for in prayer. We typically go to prayer meetings and we hear always people talk about praying for the sick or praying for somebody a job. And it seems like that's the common thing, either somebody sick or either a job. But there's so much more because we're needy people. And so needy people that are genuine in terms of their heart, they, they go to God with everything. Everything. I didn't figure this out until about 10 years ago, that I could take anything and everything to God. And I remember I was on my way to a, a meeting once, and I, 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 I was frustrated because I, was, I, was, I knew that there was going to be some tension between some folks in the meeting, and, and it was going to involve me. And as I was hurrying to the meeting across the courtyard at the, at the job, something said, just pray. And so I said, as I was work, walking, I said, God, God, I just need you to come in there. I need you to do something. I don't know what you're going to do, but I just need you to come in there and do something. And to my surprise, when I arrived at the meeting, things were different. There was a different spirit in the meeting. I'd like to believe that God heard my prayer. It was simple. Very to the point, God, I need you to do something. If you've been here any length of time, the last couple of years, you know that I've shared in the past struggles that I have gone through, family issues and all kinds of things. And if ever there's a time when my prayer life has become sharpened, and I'm not perfect in my prayers, please, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But my prayer life has become sharpened because of crises after crises after crises. And one of the things a crisis does to one's prayer life is it brings you to a place of taking everything with supplication and thanksgiving to God. Because you have nothing else to count on. You have nothing else you can do. You're in that place. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Where you're in a place where you don't know whether you're coming or going. Whether you're up or down. Whether you're topsy-turvy or what's going on in your life. But you know that you have a heavenly father that you can call on. And you can say, Abba, Father. I need you. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. That's what God wants. I don't know how this is going to work out, God. This is the actual prayer. I don't know how it's going to work out, God, but I'm trusting you. On the way over here this morning, you know what my prayer? I've learned to pray on the way. Pray every time I go someplace. Do it. Just, just pray. I'm getting and trying to get that habit. I have one of the most profound prayers of my life. You know what it was on the way here? God, help me get it right. That was the prayer. I just want to get it right for your namesake. I want to encourage your people so that if ever there's a reason, God, to go back and get this thing right, start becoming people of prayer. God, I don't want to be a stumbling block. Help me get it right. Let your request be known to God. 
It's nice to be able to have a friend that you can share something with or a buddy that you can accountability partner, whatever, somebody that you can share something with. But there's nothing better, no one better than going to God with all kinds of requests and supplications and saying, God, you know, and sharing it with God. He knows already. He already knows the answer. And let me say this. There are times when we have to get out of our heads that God is going to always give us exactly what we want. I had to figure that out. And there are times when when you go to God and you you cry out to God, God, this is what I think it is. And God says, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And then something totally opposite happens. And you're sitting there saying, that's not what I prayed for. And God is saying, that's not what you prayed for, but this is my will for you. Because you preface that prayer by saying thy will, your will is to be done. And that's what we should be doing in our prayer lives. God, your will. Yes, we can make requests to God, all kinds of supplications. But ultimately, God, I want your will done. And then finally, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. You know what that word guard is in in original language? It's it's a military term, garrison. It means like set up a fort. So the God, the shalom of God, the peace of God will, will, will set up a, a, a fort, a fortress, a, a garrison around your heart so that even if you're turned upside down and you don't know which way is up or what's going on, that God will some kind of way in the midst of that thing protect you and guard you and keep you. That's what he's saying. Those who genuinely know God can enjoy peace through life's circumstances, because they regularly communicate with God. You have to know God. And when you know God, you can connect with God. And the way you do that is you begin to pray. And you say, okay, so how do you start this thing? What do you do? do? I, 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 I would say to you, if there's one thing that you can do to begin to pray for yourselves and understand what it means to step into this whole place of prayer is to begin to say things like, start off with this, this one simple thing, slow down. What? That doesn't sound very theological, Pastor. Slow down. Slow it down a little bit. Take the time. What about in the morning taking a baby step? Like simply, let me challenge you on this. Taking a baby step like simply saying, okay, God, for the next month during this prayer time, I'm going to pause in the morning before I go out the door and just spend about five minutes just communing with you, just sitting, listening to you. I could be reading your word and just asking you to speak to me through your word or just sitting there quiet before I go run out to the car and take off. Slow it down. Slow it down. You can't build a relationship if you're too busy, if you're preoccupied. You got too much stuff going on. I'm amused when I see couples in a restaurant And they're sitting there in a very intimate setting. And both are sitting there 
and nobody's talking to each other. They're playing with their phones. The kids may be sitting there, and they're playing with their phones. You can't build a relationship like that. You build a relationship by being intentional. God wants us to be intentional with him. Slow it down. Don't be preoccupied. Get with him. Those who genuinely know God can enjoy peace through life's circumstances because they regularly communicate with God. Father, thank you for this time. Now, God, I pray that you would just move us to start off this day doing a reset on our prayer lives. That as we began to learn how to pray for ourselves and pray within that place that you have given us, God, the sacred place of being in communion with you, then we can move on to praying for others. Help us, God, to get there. In Jesus' name, amen.